on virulent government, too. My friends, you may have seen or experienced the police practice of kettling, which is erecting steel barriers around a group of protesters to curtail their movement. It's a controversial practice, making a mockery of constitutional rights to protest. But how much more insidious when the barriers are invisible, when they attempt through stress, anxiety or fear to limit a person's ability to think or to make observations for themselves and draw their own conclusions, or when the barriers are bureaucratic, making us jump through official hoops just to do what we used to do freely and without interference, or when the barriers are financial, making the need for survival so paramount that the population must surrender their freedoms and convictions, that's if they were ever afforded the time and space and resources to independently form those convictions in the first place. The British government has long been mounting such invisible barriers, but especially since Covid showed up in 2020, and it has just tightened its Orwellian grip, pressing the walls ever closer against a corralled and frightened population with another so-called consultation document issued in September 2021 about the Covid response and vaccine management. This follows about a year after another consultation document that quietly overturned eight centuries of constitutional protection since Magna Carta. There are several worrying ideas in the government's latest gambit, but I'm going to focus this time on the de facto no-jab, no-job stipulation for workers in certain venues and events, which is going to fall especially hard on low-wage service employees. It's envisaged as Plan B, just in case Covid cases take a turn for the worse, can be implemented at a week's notice, and is enforceable with fines up to £10,000. And it's being rolled out, as far as I can tell, with neither parliamentary oversight or comment, let alone a vote. Not that any opposition, whether Labour Party or Social Democrat, has any apparent intention of opposing anyway, but that's another discussion. So is this so-called consultation document truly about consultation? Is it really asking citizens to express what we think and feel? And if we do express what we think and feel, is it about taking our opinions into account? And if it is about taking our opinions into account, is it about letting our opinions shape policy? Well, consider the previous consultation document about COVID vaccines in 2020. Was that really about consultation? What did that ask us to consider? Were we on board with emergency use of unlicensed vaccines? Didn't matter, they did it anyway. Were we okay with legal immunity for pharmaceutical companies? Didn't matter, they did it anyway. Letting unregistered contractors administer injections? Did it anyway. Getting the military to distribute vaccines? Did it anyway. Using media and advertising to promote vaccine take-up by the population? They were already doing that long before the ink was dry. So what kind of consultation is that? And remember, all this was presided over in the UK by a health minister who was giving Covid contracts to his friends, breaking his own protocols and shagging a former lobbyist who was working in his department. Man, proud man, dressed in a little brief authority, most ignorant of what he's most assured, to quote Shakespeare. And what was Matt Hancock most assured of as he ran away from reporters just before resigning? Get the vaccine! 
So this latest consultation document, is it an exemplar of democracy or diktat disguised as democracy? Is it debate or decree disguised as debate? It is, of course, a policy document wearing the veil of consultation and is making people choose when under great economic duress already between getting a jab or losing their job. That is coercion, and it is coercion by death threat. It may not be death by immediate execution, but slow starvation by destruction of a person's livelihood. And even when the government is not directly imposing vaccine mandates, it is encouraging employers to do so, so that businesses can also be agents of imposition on the government's behalf. Or employees can submit to relentless COVID testing. Now, it used to be that people were only tested for things when they were symptomatic or requested a test, but now it's a guilty till proven innocent approach towards anyone who breathes. And once it has been imposed on low-paid service workers, it opens the door to imposition on the workforce more generally. In my previous piece about the prior consultation document, I quoted Magna Carta, a foundational constitutional text, and I'm going to quote it again now. To no one will we refuse or delay right or justice. They've already refused justice by tilting the legalities in favour of pharmaceutical companies, and now they're also refusing right by taking away the right to a livelihood with their no-jab, no-job decrees. The same thing is happening in many US states, where people are facing an impossible dilemma – between sacrificing their bodies in complicity with the government's enrichment scheme for pharmaceutical companies or sacrificing the means to sustain life itself. Is this the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness set out in the Declaration of Independence? Or is it the suffocation of life by giving you no way out but death, either drink the poison of vaccination or fall on the sword of financial ruin? Governments always cite emergency as a pretext to overturn constitutional rights or to suspend them on a supposedly temporary basis that then becomes permanent. It's what they've done with terrorist threats too, rotating between alerts of various colours to keep the population on edge. The whole point of having constitutional rights is to ensure they are permanent, whatever the circumstances – and not subject to the whims of political convenience based on emergency, whether that emergency is real or perceived or invented. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, nor an immunologist, nor an epidemiologist, but I can read plain English, and the English says, to no one will we refuse or delay, right or justice. Vaccine mandates are a violation of the right to work, and I can also read the golden rule, which is to love others as you love yourself. Is it loving to impose medical interventions on people without their consent, whether by direct coercion or by de facto coercion through financial penalty? Clearly these governments have demonstrated that they cannot be trusted, cannot be reasoned with, that our voices and our votes are meaningless because they don't have the slightest regard for what we think or what we want, and they have signalled repeatedly that they regard constitutional protections, to the extent they regard them at all, as disposable according to their own convenience. So what to do about it? Truth is, I don't know. But first I'm going to appeal to those who have been vaccinated, 
I respect your right to make this choice for yourself. But will you also respect the rights of those who choose not to? Would you want me to tell you, I forbid you to have the vaccine? If not, then treat me with the respect you would want me to give you. Don't compel someone to do something just because you think it's a good idea for you. As Oscar Wilde wrote, A man is called selfish if he lives in the manner that seems to him most suitable for the full realisation of his own personality. But this is the way in which everyone should live. Selfishness is not living as one wishes to live. It is asking others to live as one wishes to live. And unselfishness is letting other people's lives alone, not interfering with them. Selfishness always aims at creating around it an absolute uniformity of type. Unselfishness recognises infinite variety of type as a delightful thing, accepts it, acquiesces in it, enjoys it. Now sometimes when I ventured a viewpoint different from the official one, I am targeted with mockery or anger. If that is your impulse, ask yourself why. The reason you mock, the reason you are angry, is because you are frightened, and the reason you are frightened is because you have been conditioned to be so by government messaging, messaging designed by psychologists on the government payroll and channeled through mainstream media, social media and the BBC, and you have been fed a constant diet of fabricated beliefs, suppositions and theories. To give you an example, the first consultation document claimed COVID-19 is the biggest threat this country has faced in peacetime history. Fools! Read a history book. Even the laziest schoolchild who has heard about the Black Death can refute this. Yet the campaign of fear-mongering has been astonishingly successful, and your opinions have become so solidified and absolutist that you're not just decrying so-called anti-vaxxers, you are even denouncing non-vaxxers people who just want to be left in peace and get on with their lives unmolested. Forbidding us to do so is totalitarian, and totalitarianism works by getting normally decent people to go along with genocidal projects by making them believe lies and threats that have been exaggerated out of all proportion or never even existed. But the fear is not real. It never was. It's a concoction. And love casts out fear. And love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Is it love to pin someone down, literally or metaphorically, and force something into their bodies against their will? Or is it lust and selfishness? If elected representatives are told they have no business telling pregnant women what to do with their bodies, what makes it okay to tell an entire population what to do with their bodies? Therefore, I appeal to you, whether pro-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, non-vaxxer, a lover of life and freedom, or simply undecided, not to go along with this desecration of human and constitutional rights. I also ask the practitioners of so-called mental health now on the government payroll, is it healing or harmful to instill fear? And if it is harmful to instill fear, why would you harm in violation of the Hippocratic Oath? Finally, to everyone, I want to leave you with hope, not despair. The motivation to control other people can only be rooted in fear and insecurity. The lockdowns of bodies and lockdowns of livelihoods are the poisonous effluent of this fear. But they cannot lock down your soul. The Declaration of Independence, which I quoted before, 
also states that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, it is the right of the people to abolish it. My friends, we have reached that point. Thank you. Abdiel Leroy, author of The Covid Prophecies. This piece was recorded in October 2021.